Clear. But it's just airplanes, so it's not, it's it's, not really no this is This is the best seat now. It's, it's got a runway in the front yard. <laughs> so just on a whim this afternoon, I went into the uh, weather page for Oshkosh, Wisconsin. It was 100 degrees Fahrenheit there today. So I know that it's going to be hotter in Wisconsin than it is in Florida. In Florida. When I, get there. I know this yeah. is wrong. Well, I don't know about that. It's going to be one of those years at Oshkosh. I think uh, we've had a few of these in the past. I know you guys remember them. And uh, oh, yeah. Uh, well, it, it, the bad news for me is that it's going to be as hot in Wisconsin as it is in Kansas. Yeah, you're just going to feel like home for you, right? It's uh, Basically, yeah. I it's, talked to uh, our old friend Rick Reynolds. Yeah. Uh, not 10 minutes ago, we were on the phone for, for a, a, a work visit. And, you know, they're, they're dying up there uh, because their humidity runs almost in lockstep with their temperature. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. And that makes it so much worse than here. We've had some hundred degree days, hundred plus degree days, but usually they were with twenty or thirty percent humidity. Uh, last week we had a hundred degree day with eighty five percent humidity. Yeah, and let me tell you, bud, the difference in how it hammers you is substantial. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. And as a result, you've got to take special precautions as a visitor to Oshkosh. We'll talk about that a little bit more later in this podcast. But uh, yeah, it's going to be one of those years. Although the fr- we're all arriving on Thursday, well, basically arriving on Thursday, where it's going to be a, a chilly... <laughs> oh, uh, well, Dave's Thursday? arriving a little earlier than oh, the rest of us. We usually arrive on Thursday, um, where it's going to be a chilly 86 degrees Fahrenheit uh, uh, in, in Oshkosh. So anyway, I, I, I uh, we can only I, hope. Yeah, I thought you were making noon balloon jokes. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> hey, listen, we got a very special visitor coming into the uh, hangar in a few minutes, but uh, but before he arrives, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, sort of memories um, because for me, Oshkosh is this long, to- long standing. I'm just every year, and I, I think back on all the past years, and I'm just wondering if I've ever asked you guys this before. When was the first your first Oshkosh? Uh, certainly before it was called Air Venture. Uh, mine was too. Um, I don't know who wants to go first, David. When when was your first Oshkosh uh, fly-in? 30 years ago. Yeah. 1982. And how did you get there? Did you fly? Did you drive? Did you? I got there in the, uh, in, in the, somewhere in driving or riding in the back of the Glider Rider magazine uh, display-carrying Ford van. Mm-hmm. So this is obviously back in your, your ultralight days. Oh, yeah, way back in my hang gliding and ultralight days. Uh, uh, we drove up from Chattanooga. Uh, we drove straight through, uh, took turns driving and napping. Uh, we got there, and then one of the buildings that uh, now has something like the Federal Pavilion in it, we set up our booth and prepared to meet the crowds. Yeah. Now, and at the time, the ultralight area was about a half a mile closer oh, to really? the main part of the show than it is today. Really? I want to hear about that. But first of all, Jeb, when was your first Oshkosh? Uh, either 94 or 95, um, I went out to work for an organization uh, I was working for as a contractor at the time. Never really saw much of the show. Had a great time. Uh, <laughs> Wait a minute. Was, yeah, okay. I, I, was, I, do a booth. I was a booth babe. Oh, that's right. I think you've mentioned this we've before. Had, I think we've had that as a title before. Yeah, yeah that, that, I, I it, it certainly tickles the listeners, but go ahead, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and to get there, uh, I flew into either O'Hare or Milwaukee and drove up um, and repeated the process on the way out. That was the first time I was there. Um, 
subsequent years, I started flying myself out in uh, uh, 99, not coincidentally, not, not coincidentally, the year I bought the airplane I have now. Um, and um, either driven out or airlined out some fashion um, all the intervening years. 98, I think it was, was, uh, no, um, I know I missed 98, excuse me. Um, I did not make it to 98. I flew myself in in 99. I was working for AvWeb at the time. Uh, and that's when we started doing daily coverage of Oshkosh. I, I, uh, I remember that. You and I hot-cotted a room. Yeah, I hot-cotted with Howard Freed. And you hot-cotted with somebody else, but we saw a lot of each other. Yeah. Um, yeah, you might have been triple hot cut. I don't know. I know Howard. Fre- I know Howard Freed was was one of the occupants. Well, our listeners are just so lucky today. They're just getting all these special details. David, the ultralight field was in a different place at the time. Yeah, uh, at the time, the ultralight field was north of the Red Barn, uh, and in an area that's now got uh, vintage aircraft uh, uh, parking in it. The ultralight runway was on the. Uh, uh, Stop and think. The west side of the uh, road that runs north and south there, next to one eight three six, and that little uh, that little snack restaurant that's there. The Quant, what is it? The Quonset Hut Cafe, right? The Quonset the, the Cafe, Hangar Cafe, I think. Hangar Cafe. Yeah, that's it. There next to Vintage. Uh, that was the south end of the show. Right. Yeah. And some of the memorable parts of that year were. Uh, Meeting uh, Chuck Yeager, who was there with uh, uh, as a correspondent for ABC's Good Morning America, and uh, oh, this uh, this uh, singer that uh, that was also a pilot met him there. The Chuck was flying ultralights, specifically something called the Eagle, and uh, telling everybody how airplane like it was. Uh, I remember. The, <laughs> okay, I remember the heat. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. he was, he was impressed because wow, it flies like an airplane. Well, go figure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I remember thinking that the hike from there up to where our display was was the most intolerable trip that I could imagine having to do. Really. Uh, little did I know how much bigger it would get. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, and a few years later, when I did my first Paris air show. Uh, I had to look back on that and say, boy, that was quaint and small by comparison. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Those hangars, I, so were you in the old hang, exhibit hangars? Is that what you're talking about, David? Yeah, yeah. yeah and I think that's what hangers. Jeb was talking about, too. Those right. were three of the hottest, muggiest buildings that I've yeah. ever stepped foot in, I swear. It's just unbelievable. Something about those buildings was... Well, they were metal, they were uninsulated, they had low ceilings and no ceiling fans. Yeah. And they still Other are. Than that, little, they were perfect. Yeah, they still are a little bit like that, but they've. I guess maybe because they've opened them up and they blow a lot of air through them now. And uh, uh, yeah, I they, was out in what um, was the fly market when it was bigger. Oh yeah, and, and closer in. Right, the fly uh, market. Of right course, at that, right at the corner mainly. Used to be up there where now the forum buildings are located. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. And uh, boy, a lot of changes over the years. My first year was 1991, and. Uh, which has always been convenient for me because it means that I know the the number of years I've been attending by the last number of the year. So this is 2012. It's my 22nd year. Uh, but uh, 
twenty uh, second con- consecutive year. As a matter of fact, I'm very proud of that. Well, you ain't there yet either. That's true. Don't yeah, come on now. Don't do that. To bite, me. You, bite your tongue. I, I can't know. spare any writers. This kind of <laughs> Anyways, so uh, uh, yeah, and uh, I uh, I came in. I flew into the uh, fly into the fly in uh, with a buddy of mine in his bonanza. I've told stories about that trip, and uh, and we actually landed at Fond du Lac and had to take a shuttle up. We arrived midweek. Uh, at the time, Sunday was midweek, and uh, uh, I arrived. We arrived at just at sunset or so. Just it was starting to get dark and I got off the shuttle near what is now the foot of the new uh, tower and uh, and sort of basically knew where the campground was and had all my camping gear on my back and and hiked into Camp Scholar in the dark, hardly knowing wow. anything about where anything was, and wandered up and down the rows until I found a spot that was big enough for me to pitch my tent in the dark and then crawled into the bed and, and, and fell asleep after traveling all the way from California in a personal airplane. So uh, that was uh, quite an adventure for me. And I only got to stay for a couple of days, but I, it was just kind of a whirlwind of... Of, of oh my gosh look at all the airplanes look at all this stuff you know look at all these new friends it was great it was great um and then in all these years that we've been doing it what are some of the things that stand out and i know we always talk about the people that we meet and our friends and whatnot and and that's very important but but put that aside for a second what were some of the 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 aircraft or the acts or the activities or the announcements or what were the thing what are the things that you really kind of that stand out when you think about 20 years 20 plus years of air venture Oh my! You know, I think of things like um, the Concord visits. I've, I think I saw two or three times that the Concord was there, and that was just astounding to see that airplane fly. That, that was a standout. Uh, watching the uh, Qantas seven four seven four hundred come in with this Aboriginal paint scheme on. I- you know, that's what I was that going to mention too, out. David. Yeah, because if if we're thinking of the same aircraft in the same year, um, they did a bunch of flybys. Uh, uh, you know, I don't know if it was part of their departure or whatever, but they did flybys with someone who was probably like a PR guy talking from the aircraft by radio to the public address system and just kind of describing the airplane to us and the, the maneuvers it was doing. And I just remember seeing that 747 do these flybys that were like not your routine approach, you know, landing, you know, climb out. They were flying that airplane. And uh, so that I, was pretty cool. I remember when the ultralight area uh, down by the Red Barn uh, had something like 400 exhibitors down there between the companies that were making ultralights and mm. the companies that were supplying stuff for them and the f- schools that were and, and dealerships that were selling them and it being absolutely one of the hottest tickets on the ground <coughs> uh, it, the air show would end and these mo- mobs of people thousands of people would come off the air show line they just a lot of them just turned around 180 degrees and walked back and lined the fence at the ultralight area uh, to the point where there was 10 and 12 and 15 people deep to watch things like the first CGS Hawk fly or to see Lyle Byram try to put, launch a Quicksilver MX or uh, uh, see uh, a Homer Kolb's cute little single-seat pusher uh, do amazing short-field takeoffs. And uh, I remember a year when somebody tried to fly a, a, a foot-powered blimp uh, nah. <laughs> Foot-powered bloom. <laughs> it's like, okay. Pedal, pedal-powered, and uh, it, it never had a chance because it, the wind never died down enough to make it practical. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
some of the most amazing military displays I've ever seen. Uh, first trip over to Vetti Seaplane Base mm-hmm. and uh, for the uh, for uh-huh. the corn roast over there, and sitting around with a bunch of people watching the sun go down behind us and the twilight across the lake, and thinking. Man, if it wasn't for the mosquitoes, this could be paradise. It's really true. I think a lot of people don't realize about the seaplane base. It's just, and it's yeah. it's off the beaten path, and you've got to invest some time to get there. Um, but uh, it's worth it, man. It, it's just it's a totally different vibe. I mean, it's still lots of airplanes, lots of cool you know uh, stuff, lots of pilots talking to each other. But it, the the energy is well, the energy is still good, but the vibe it's much quieter, much mellower. Just as Dave kind of yeah. alluded to, yeah, it's it is. A, very cool thing i remember one year and i can't remember what the actual uh the 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 the, uh the event that that triggered this but there was one year when they tried to get like as many long easies the burt rutan design long easies there as they possibly could and there were i don't know i want to say thousands maybe there weren't thousands but there were hundreds and hundreds of long there was there were several hundred yeah yeah and they did some some group flybys you know or overhead you know overflights um it was amazing to see the sky filled with long easies it was pretty cool that that whole area that's uh, now mostly RV parking, uh, it was just filled with long easies that year. That was pretty cool. And, of course, these years, that, that space is, is that, that, that kind of role, if you will, is, is, seems to have take, been taken over by the RVs, um, all sorts of uh, vans, RV aircraft uh, on the field these days. Uh, a, a lot of changes to the field, too. We were talking about where the... Uh, where the uh, uh, fly market used to be is now uh, sort of the edge of where well, it's actually that where those RVs are parking. Now they stop and think about it, um, and they, uh, the the uh, the forearms used to be in tents that that would occasionally blow down in a thunderstorm, uh, and now they're all almost all in hard sided, hard roofed buildings. Uh, and uh, uh, well, the the thing that I don't hear either one of you talking about, and you know, we can talk about the airplanes and how notable various uh, flybys and displays were. Um, mine was Harrier, uh, getting up close and personal with the Harrier doing its thing. It's hard um, not to get up close was, and personal with it. That was that was fucking loud, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was loud. Uh, it's about the loudest airplane I've ever heard or seen. Mm-hmm. But uh, to me. I got to be honest, man. It's the people. Yeah. Uh, it's the stuff that goes on. It's the encounters. It's the friends you make. It's the friend you only see once a year at Oshkosh. Um, it's, you know, the familiar haunts are around town. Um, I, I have a lot of fond memories. I remember sitting out uh, under the wing of a Beach 18 on the North 40 about midnight one night Um Doing uh, basically doing a podcast, an early early version of a podcast, doing a, an audio program for Avweb. Um, I know so I, a bunch of people came through just being interviewed. It was like an assembly line. It was great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, you're you know, right. S- Sitting in having having go kart races around the the perimeter taxiway. No, um, no, we don't talk like about that, that now. Now that we have. Now we, that we oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Oh, we have to take that out. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, you, you you sort of alluded to one one of my uh, favorite memories is the one that you and I joke about that night that you and I got a couple of scooters and just I think David was uh-huh. off doing some some assignment or something magical evening with Jim and and the two of us had a magical moment where we went wandering around the uh, the grounds on on a couple of scooters and you know it's another thing people don't realize about Air Adventure is that you know there's a tendency to think when the air show's done the day is done and that's just so not true um, it's actually almost becomes better afterwards because uh, it empties out it becomes a little quieter becomes tent usually becomes cooler and uh and but yet 
except for the exhibit halls, just about everything is still open. And you can wander around the West Ramp, and you can wander through the home-built areas and the vintage areas and, and look at airplanes you know, just as, as well, maybe better, than you can during the day. The evenings are really, really spectacular. And a lot of people you know, don't realize that, and they, they waste that time. I, I urge them oh, not that, to. That was something that uh, Tom Poberesny, uh, when he was still the, uh, the head guy there, and a couple others, worked really assiduously at to make sure that there was plenty of evening activity for the folks to enjoy, whether it's the theater in the woods or the fly-in movie theater on another part of the grounds. Uh, then there's all the roll-your-own stuff. There are parties and gatherings sit around the campfire in Camp Schaller, uh, the North 40 campground. Uh, some of my favorite times there were just kind of like you guys talking about, uh, tooling around the grounds at night, offering people a lift that uh, were walking someplace far away, uh, meeting new folks. Uh, and it, I missed a number of years in the, uh, in the late 80s. And when I first went back in the early 90s and was walking down to the ultralight area for the first time, uh, walking along with Dan Johnson of the Light Aircraft Manufacturers Association, it's kind of like, seemed like we were walking a lot farther than we used to. <laughs> and he said, oh, you haven't been here since they lengthened the runway. Uh, yeah. And they'd lengthened the runway, 1836, uh, so that they could get in airplanes like the Concorde and the 747-400 on charter. Uh, and it made me think. I said, when I first started coming there, the runway was shorter. The show was smaller. There was no museum. There was no Pioneer Airport. Sure. Uh, there was a whole community of actual houses just outside the fence right there next to the commercial area where you could slip out at lunchtime and get a beer. Uh, yeah, that's... But there was still that spirit and still that enthusiasm. Uh, that part I don't detect as, 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 as dwindled at all. Yeah, so... Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, a lot of great memories there, a lot of great uh, experiences there, and uh, more to come as we knock on wood. Head now, see now you guys have jinxed it. All right, <laughs> darn it, we're all going to Oshkosh, one way or the other. We're going to get there. Oshkosh or bust. Remember they used to have, give out bumper stickers. People you put bumper stickers on the window of their car that said Oshkosh or bust. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so. Well, now we've got a very special uh, guest here in the Uncontrolled Airspace uh, virtual hangar. Uh, we are very pleased to welcome into the hangar the, uh, the uh, president of EAA, Rod Hightower, is with us. Hi, Rod. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing great, Jack. It's nice to hear from you again. Oh, great. So uh, we wanted to just touch base with you. I'm sure you're pretty busy right now uh, getting ready for the fly-in, but uh, we wanted to touch base real quickly and kind of get a report on what's going on on there. How are the preparations going for the, for the fly-in this year? Well, you're right about that. We've got a few things going on right now. <laughs> it's going great. Um, we are well planned this year. We're actually uh, well ahead in implementing the site setups uh, this year as compared to past years, and that's thanks to the, the good weather and the great planning and the organization of the, of the team at EAA. Yeah. What, uh, describe for us a little bit about some of the actual activities that are going on. I think some people think that the convention grounds just sit there all year round and, uh, and you just kind of have to turn on the lights. Um, and, and it's been my experience that there's a lot more that goes on to get things ready. You know, there is. And, and something that we're planning to do is to put a camera up on top of our tower so you can time-lapse watch the, 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 the actual site take shape. It's something truly to behold. Um, but, you know, the members have to remember, and, and many of our members really do know this well, because they themselves live out volunteerism in their chapters every day. Um, 
we have 4,800 volunteers that bring this place together each year and make AirVenture operate the way it does as the world's largest aviation event. But when you see the site, physical site, you know, it's spread out over 1,400 acres. You know, we have over 200 buildings and structures on the site, and all of those need maintaining and painting and everything that goes with it. But the most impressive part is when you look right there at the flight line and exhibitor area where those tents are erected each year from literally grass fields to world-class venues for trade, commerce, uh, and showing off the latest and greatest innovations and products. We had a little excitement this year. You may have heard about it. What's that? Well, we had a big storm come through, and it destroyed 12 of those fabulous tents. Oh, really? No, I hadn't. It, balled them, it rolled them up like aluminum foil and rolled them across to Whitman Airport you know, in a surprising manner. Um, but the good folks at Carl's have rebuilt those tents, uh, brought in new tents, and we are up and running and no problem at all. Yeah. So, now, I, I, we hear from through the uh, well through the internet that it's uh, a little warm there today. You know, the folks in Wisconsin are experiencing one of their warmest summers in, on record. Uh, followed, you know, that immediately followed the, one of the least snowfall winters on record. Yes, it's hot and dry, so that affects us a little bit in the good news category. No problem getting our work done, painting, and everything else that goes along with site setup and prep, uh, not having to fight the raindrops. The bad news is the grass is so dry we can't have fires in the campground. So we're going to be notifying our campers that no open fires are allowed until we get a little rain and moisture on the ground because the grass is absolutely straw dry. Wow, that's too wow. bad. Um, what Have you guys looked at the forecast for the next uh, couple of weeks? What's it, is it going to stay this way? Well, you know, it's one of those things that we sure wouldn't bet our life savings on the forecast, but um, (laughs) the weather pattern looks actually favorable to a good weather pattern throughout our venture on the warm side. So dry and warm seems to be the continuing theme for certainly the next 10 to 12 days. Rod, I was curious, I mean, coming to to Oshkosh for Air Venture for a few years now, uh, there's always a lot really familiar from one year to the next, but almost never do we go from one year to the next without seeing some changes in the site, how things are organized, the layout, maybe the parking flow, uh, uh, where some of the exhibitors will be. Could you enlighten us a little bit about what changes people might see this year? You bet. Um, you know, it's a, it's a very familiar site to everybody, but we have one fabulous change that the campers uh, and the visitors are going to appreciate on their arrival, and that is Polberesny Road has been repaved. What was got a, what was arguably one of the roughest roads in the county is now absolutely gorgeous. So uh, your arrival into AirVenture is going to be met with smooth roads and, uh, and, and, and uh, minimal uh, bumps and dust. So that's a big change, noticeable right away to visitors. You're also going to see some things different out along the flight line itself. The flight line is an area where we really do try to go out of our way to protect that flight line experience and honor and celebrate all that fabulous aircraft that come here. But we've been listening to our visitors over the years to make the visitor experience better. So you're going to see some more restrooms here this year. You're going to find uh, a new tram route to make travel around the site easier and more efficient and time delays between tram stops and tram runs shorter. You're also going to find um, some enhanced parking areas. We've uh, cleaned up some of the parking areas, entrances, and access uh, in the middle section for the main entrance area. You're also going to find some new things out on the site. The Aviators Club turned out to be... Hugely popular last year. The Aviators Club sold out before we even opened AirVenture last year, so we doubled its capacity this year. Looks like the Aviators Club is going to sell out once again. It's a wonderful venue for enjoying the flight line experience and air conditioning comfort with the breakfast and lunch served daily. 
Um, We have new chalets this year, so the chalets are out on the flight line. Our business partners and our business uh, and sponsors have been asking for that for years. We've never done it before, so we're going to try it this year with our opening venue of, of chalets. Here's the good news. They've sold out already, so last Thursday was the final chalet sale was completed last Thursday, and they're Obviously, there was a need there in the market. Uh, need was met. So the chalets will be new this year. Yeah. Rod, this is Jack again. There was a rumor going around during the off-season that there might be a plan to create a new north-south parallel runway. Was there any truth to that? That didn't happen for this year, did it? No, it didn't happen this year, Jack. But there is something that did happen this year that we have kept pretty quiet because we're waiting all on all the final FAA paperwork. We will have a grass runway this year. Uh, really? Whereabouts? It is going to be on the south uh, side of runway, the approach into runway 36, and it's going to be slightly offset to the west of the center line to 36. Mm-hmm. That actually sounds like the runway I, I was hearing rumors about. Yeah, so you, you think that will be operational this year? It will be, and we are waiting on some final uh, paperwork from the FAA, but the runway is seated. Uh, it's all been put in place and rolled so it's smooth. And uh, the biggest obstacle to the runway is just don't hit the ILS shack when you're using that runway. <laughs> yeah, really. Now, I did, but I don't think it's always that, good advice. Yeah, I don't think that made it into the NOTAM, did it? No, we intentionally did that so that we weren't. Once you publish the NOTAM, then people are going to be planning around that and flying here. And if for whatever reason we didn't get the FAA paperwork completed on time, we would have some. We could have some ATC issues as they're trying to find their way to a grass runway that's not going to be approved to be right. used. So, is there any particular procedure people ought to use if they want to request that runway? You request it by calling in. There's going to be a, a big notice put up online, and you can see it. There's a phone number to call. All we need is who you are, your in number, type of airplane, and when you're arriving. And when you simply come into the queue, uh, depending on which, what your arrival and procedure is going to be, you just simply notify them grass runway on the radio, and they'll know you're headed for the grass runway. And as you leave the queue, the normal line of uh, traffic flow, and you head down to the grass runway, it just makes a big, beautiful open spot for all those people right behind you, and they head on to the to the various dots on runway 1836. Sounds great. Rod, what kind of aircraft do you expect to be able to use that runway? What are its dimensions? Yeah, it's uh, 2,100 feet long, and it's 150 feet wide. So oh. if you are comfortable getting whatever airplane you own on, on 2,100 feet and down and safely stopped, then uh, you're welcome to use that runway. And from there, one can access, say, vintage camping? You bet. All you do is you're just going to taxi left and right down the taxiway you go to vintage camping. That's outstanding. That's outstanding. um, That kind of gets into one of the things I wanted to to learn a little bit about. What kind of airplane attractions might we have this year? What are some of the the big uh, hardware uh, side of the show uh, events? We have some we have some really cool stuff coming this year. So if we we want to we need to talk a little bit about first of all part of the theme of AirVenture this year is celebrating the greatest generation in the air. So we're going to have a, a very large number of B25s and we're going to have B29 Fifi here. But what's going to make that special is there's going to be a wonderful flight. The co-pilot of Jimmy Doolittle, Lieutenant Dick Cole will be here to celebrate the 70th anniversary of the Doolittle Raid. Wow. He will be flying a B-25. In, we will be also flying the B-29, piloted by Dutch Van Kirk, who is the bomber, the navigator, on the Enola Gay, who dropped the bomb on Hiroshima. Wow. So wow. those two very special guys and two very special airplanes are going to be here this year. Very, very cool. That's very We're cool, also yeah. going to have uh, the Orbis Flying Eye Hospital, which is a very big airplane. You like big hardware, that's a big piece of hardware. That's that's a DC-10, isn't it? 
It is. It's a DC-10. It's a hospital kitted out. It's quite impressive to see it. If you've never toured it, uh, it's worth, definitely worth the time to take to tour it and see what's in there. Talk about doing good for humanity. That that group does good for humanity. You should be very proud of its aviation connection. Yeah. The Cub thing sounds very cool. Tell us a little bit about that. 200-plus Cubs are expected. They all do a mass arrival, uh, 6.30 on Sunday morning, um, and it's going to be spectacular. The 75th anniversary of the Piper Cub is bringing them out of the woodwork. Now, we're all taking bets inside the organization how long it's going to take to recover 200 uh, Piper (laughs) Cubs. It uh, may take longer than most people think, but we are really pleased and proud that the Cub owners and the Cub aviators have turned out in mass to celebrate this iconic airplane. Mm -hmm. How many do you expect? It's going to be wonderful. How many do you expect in the uh, uh, mass arrival? Um, I think they've limited the mass arrival to something along the lines of 60. And I don't think I've heard the final number, but I think they've limited it to 60. And the reason they limit it is because of the time to, to arrive and recover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so they're all going to arrive roughly at the same time at 6.30 that morning. 6.30 Sunday morning. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, where are they marshalling? Where are they coming from at 6.30 in the morning? Hartford, you know where the Hartford Airport is south of? I think south so. South and slightly west of uh, Oshkosh? Uh-huh. That's where they're going to marshal. So, so they're not that far away? No. Yeah. That sounds. That's going to be very cool. Very picturesque, if nothing else. But uh, oh, it's going to be gorgeous. I think the field is going to be turned yellow with Cubs. Yeah, yeah. Where are you going to park them? Do you have a particular place you're going to put them? They're going to be in the vintage aircraft section. Mm-hmm. So wow. that vintage parking area is surprisingly large. It's really a fooler. To, 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 it's amazing how many airplanes you can get in that section. So all the Cubs are going to go in there in vintage. And that would be the area over there. Let's see between the the uh, um, theater in the woods and the hangar cafe. Is that right? It's uh, it's it, the best place to think of it is is yeah the theater in the woods is on the west perimeter, but up there where the red barn if you know where the vintage red barn is sure yep yeah running down the flight line south all the way down south onto yeah. the ultralight area is the vintage parking area that's going to be great it's a beautiful grassy spot with gorgeous trees yeah uh, any other uh, attractions event highlights that you want to tell particularly some that maybe haven't gotten some of the press some of the things that maybe only you know about what's going to happen. Oh, well, there's, there's a few of those, but the big highlights in terms of uh, attractions are going to be opening night concert is Steve Miller Band, which has been hugely received uh, and very popular. And then the following, followed by the, the Saturday night, we call it Super Saturday, but uh, a fabulous air show Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and I'll talk about that in just a minute. Uh, and then uh, the Phil Vassar concert in the evening topped off by the great fireworks display a night air show and fireworks display to close off Saturday night. So Super Saturday is truly a fantastic event. Something for everybody on Super Saturday. Whether you like airplanes or not, you'll love you'll love Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got some big air show acts that are coming this year, including some very new new things. For the first time ever, we have Team RV performing at Oshkosh. It's the largest uh, air show performing group. Lots of airplanes in the air and really lights up the the. the, the uh, the sky with some fun and color and, 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 and excitement. Tora, Tora, Tora will be here. Big show, nine airplanes, including a B-17 in the act, lots of smoke, pyro, and and a great uh, flying to celebrate, uh, obviously, Pearl Harbor Day and the event there. But new to us for the first time at Oshkosh also are the Canadian Skyhawks parachute team. Now, parachute teams are wonderful things, but, you know, if you've seen one, you might have seen a lot of them. But what do you see the Canadian Skyhawks? Very innovative, very thrilling, very exciting things that they do with parachutes that, frankly, I didn't know you could do with parachutes. So I'm looking forward to that, and I think it's going to be a real a real crowd pleaser, and I think it's going to be something that folks aren't used to seeing, and they're going to enjoy it a lot. 
Very cool. Very cool. Um, if we could move on for a second to kind of a broader EAA question here. Um, you've now been president of EA for just about two years. And uh, there's sort of an old uh, old uh, truism that it takes a whole year to learn a job. And uh, so now you've been on the job kind of knowing it for a year. What do you think? How's it going? Well, I think it's probably going to take more like two years to learn the job at EAA. It's a big job. Uh-huh. Um, how's it going? Pretty good. You know, we have a well, something that I think that most members, and, and I'll certainly speak for myself as a longtime member, really don't appreciate is just the breadth and the depth and the scale of EAA's impact and involvement in aviation. It's enormous. So whether we're talking about bringing people into aviation, introducing them to aviation, or whether we're talking about our advocacy efforts or the world's largest air show, we're talking about 938 chapters worldwide that really become the social network of aviation, if you want to think of it as that, and the 14,000 aviation events that are put on each year just by EAA and our chapters. The scope and scale of our involvement in aviation is enormous. Mm-hmm. Our air tour operations, which tour the country in a B-17, Ford Trimotor. We've added a second Ford Trimotor. You're going to see the second Trimotor at AirVenture this year. I think people will enjoy that. Almost no lines to the Trimotor now, nice, which is always good if it's going to be hot. So those are the types of things that I think most of our members would be very proud of and and, and understanding more about. So you're going to hear us communicating more about the breadth and depth of our involvement in aviation in future months. We love uh, what we've done with the magazine. has been very, very well received. So we have three phases in the magazine growth strategy. Phase one was implemented in January 2010 with the expanded format. Phase two was implemented in October 2011 with the expansion of general aviation coverage and the addition of Mac McClellan, Lane Wallace, and Jeff Skiles, who have just brought a tremendous amount of talent to the organization. Now, phase three is being laid into the magazine now where we expand in contemporary coverage of our home building activity and experimental amateur built activity. So we're very excited about what's happening with the magazine. And, and I got to tell you, that takes a lot of time uh, to put a magazine together right and get a magazine published to uh, 176,000 members every month on time. Yeah, mag- the magazine's looking really good. There's no question about that. Um, going back to this, this been on the job two year theme, though, um, how is this job different <clears throat> from what you thought it was going to be walking in the door? Different. Well, I guess I'd have to say it's probably more complex in the pieces and parts of how the aviation organization interacts with the aviation marketplace. You know, we're a fairly small organization. You know, we're 163 full-time employees, but the complexity of what we get involved with makes it feel like an organization much, much larger and much more complex than just that. And I think members would be very pleased and proud to see that We've had some significant victories in the regulatory and the legislative side in aviation in the last 12 months that we are very proud of. Now, in the in the experimental amateur bill category, we are facing some new recommendations from the NTSB that we are managing very closely, and I'm very pleased and very proud with the role that EAA and our advocacy team has played in shaping those recommendations by the NTSB. You know, that shaping really started in earnest last year in January when we testified, this year in January, when we testified to in front of the NTSB regarding air show and air race safety, driven primarily as a result of what happened in Reno last year. And uh, I will share this with you that in meetings with both Chairman Hirschman of the NTSB and Administrator Huerta of the FAA, both of them shared with me that they were very impressed with the industry and how far 
above and beyond the regulatory requirements that our industry's safety practices and operating practices were on an everyday basis. They were very impressed. Rod, looking ahead a little bit, where where do you see EAA and how do you see its involvement, say, three, four, five years down the road? Well, that's an easy one. I, you know, we at EAA, we're 60 years old this year. You know, we consider five years short term pretty much at EAA. So you're going to see us concentrating more on what we really do well. Uh, there are six big things that we do at EAA that we're very proud of, and we're going to concentrate on doing those things very, very well. We're not going to get carried away in doing things that are not really core to our mission at EAA and part of who we are at EAA. But you're going to see us to take a bit of a new focus, a bit of a new energy level at creating the next generation of aviator, and that's of all ages. You know, we all know what the Young Eagle program is. The Young Eagle program has flown 1.6 million young people between the age of 8 and 17 in the last 20 years. It's the 20th anniversary of Young Eagles this air venture. And it's delivered over 18,800 pilots, which has had a significant impact in a positive way. We're going to launch and introduce this year during our venture Eagle Flights, which is a conceptual starting ride for people over 18. Specifically, Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. people over the age of 35, targeting is a bad word, we're focusing on people over the age of 35 who have the time and the means and have always had a long-held desire to learn to fly we're going to be giving them a unique uh, starting experience to their aviation journey. And we know some things about those people. They certificate quickly, and they buy airplanes quickly, and they engage in aviation very quickly. So you're going to see some new stuff from EAA uh, along that line this year, introduced, being introduced on Tuesday at AirVenture. Rod, cool. you're probably familiar with the um, Cessna uh, Skycatcher uh, promotion ongoing right now around the U.S. where a group of... Uh, College students handpicked by Cessna are being given a skycatcher and uh, basically do a little barnstorming and, and uh, um, advertising the virtues of aviation and, and whatnot. Um, do are we starting to see a little bit uh, groundswell among um, uh, the industry, uh, both manufacturers and uh, associations, in in trying to promote aviation a little bit more rather than uh, just look inward? Well, gosh, I would love to call it a groundswell, but I can tell you right now I would not call it a groundswell. But I would call it a very strong recognition that we have to move outside of our aviation selves and touch the public in a new and different way. You know, EAA engaged in a very extensive body of research work that started last year. And some of the things that we discovered in that research was flying is still very cool in the minds of many people. It's still something that people aspire to and are interested in. However, there seems to be a distance in getting into aviation. You know, I call it the secret handshake of aviation. It's a little intimidating to show up at an airport now with a chain-link fence 10 feet tall around it and, and go find somebody who wants to talk to you about airplanes and aviation. So getting in and getting interested, access is getting more difficult by some of the things we have done as an industry or regulatory requirements. But it's still cool. It's still inspirational, aspirational to many people. And we have found out there's a whole lot of folks out there that really do want to go do this. They don't know how to get into it. They don't know how to get started. They don't really even know what I call the secret handshake about breaking through and understanding it in a better way. There is the early days of the industry recognizing this and probably trying to do something about it. And EAA is going to lead the way with Eagle Flights. That's our initiative that's going to start that process and reaching out to that population, inviting them to come in and fly with us. 
Outstanding. Yeah. Rod, we're going to let you get back to it here, but one last question. How's the Stearman doing? Man, it's doing great. It's uh, We're so busy this time of year, it's a little lonely. It gets flown only in the evenings, you know, right now. But it's sitting over there at Pioneer Airport, and it's waiting for the grass uh, to, to welcome its wheels tonight. So I can't wait to get back in it tonight. How did you, co- <laughs> how did you come by that airplane? You know, that airplane, I bought that airplane in 1988, the year Moore and I were married, uh, and it was a basket case. It was a... Uh, an airplane that had crashed. It was a banner tour in Cape May, New Jersey. It spent its entire life pulling banners up and down the, the beaches of Cape May after the war years. Poor guy lost power on takeoff one day, didn't get the banner unhitched, and then crashed inverted into a group of those South Jersey pine trees, which is what saved the guy. Airplane set in the top of a workshop from uh, 1967 till I bought it in 1988. Wow. And Moore and I made its first flight in July of 97, and we've been flying the wings off of it ever since. Yeah, about how I mean, I, obviously you're real busy right now, but in general, how much do you get to fly it? Um, you know, I fly a lot. Between that, the T6 and the Aztec, we, you know, I fly a lot. I'm, I'm putting on about a little over 300 hours a year on airplanes as Very we nice. do our EA business, and I travel around to visit with members and chapters and aviation events. But the Stearman sees about 60 hours of out of me each year, and now lately with my son soloing on his 16th birthday, April 9th, He's commandeered the thing. I can't get near it. <laughs> Go figure, huh? I know. I know. <laughs> and an nerve. Aztec is your get-around airplane? The T-6 is my get-around airplane, oh. and uh, and that's when the weather's decent. So when the weather's cold and nasty, I fly the, the a little Aztec that we have at EAA. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Rod. Appreciate you taking some time for us. I know you're real busy these days, uh, but we, re- we do appreciate hearing about what we're going to be seeing when we all arrive uh, later this week and next week. So uh, thank you very much, Rod Hightower, the president of EAA. Thanks, guys. You, always always a pleasure talking with you. Yeah. We'll see you later in the week. Yeah. See you next week. Yeah. Well, that was great of him to take a few minutes. We really appreciate that and uh, look forward to uh, seeing him in person uh, next week and maybe even coming him on, having him come on uh, one of our episodes there uh, on the grounds. A lot of cool things, as he alluded to, that are going to be happening this week, uh, next week, I should say, at, at AirVenture. Um, have you seen this? Uh, this the, the, So they've put at the airventure.org site, they've got a daily events or daily highlights page. And man, there's a lot of stuff going on. You know, some of the things that Rod mentioned and, and some things that maybe you hadn't heard about. It's uh, you, know, you know, you need a program. You or do- you need. You need an air venture today I, you to know, keep up with what's going on. You need an air venture today. Okay, nice plug. There you go. Tell them what's air venture today, David. Air venture today is the only full time, long running, exclusive, daily blow by blow newspaper produced for, by, and at the show for EAA members and all the people that come to it. And well, I, you guys may know a little bit about this since you kind of invest a little sweat, blood, and tears in this every year. Yeah, where can people find it, and how much does it cost? Well, first off, you're going to love the subscription price. It's free. And there are AirVenture Today distribution boxes virtually everywhere around the field at all the restaurants in Camp Schaller, in the North 40, at the showers, at all the shower facilities. And if you're staying off campus at some of the nearby hotels and motels, you'll generally find them in the lobby there. We do eight newspapers for a seven-day show. 
So if you show up early, don't think that you got to wait until opening day on Monday to pick up an air venture today. The first one will be there in the boxes and ready for your hands on Sunday, July 22nd. Yep. A lot of cool activities throughout the week. Uh, I'm just kind of scanning this uh, daily highlights page, and, and if you're planning on going to AirVenture, you ought to take a look at this page. It's at uh, airventure.org oh, slash attractions slash daily events.html, or you can find it on the. Not, on, to, not to put a, a plug in for sporties because they don't need one, uh, but there's also a couple of cool little apps that they've developed. And there are, yeah. And making available free both for uh, iOS and uh, Android devices. Uh, they're both free and they're both in their respective um, yeah. uh, stores or markets. Just scanning. That's, a, that's really good, Jeb. And, uh, and, and backing that up, if you're not going to be at Oshkosh, you can get this stuff and AirVenture today online through uh, airventure.org. That's right. Exactly right. Yep. And you'll be able to hear uh, EA Radio on the uh, Internet stream uh, all week long. So if you want to hear uh, the, uh, the, the uh, interviews and commentary, you'll hear our episode. Our two uh, full-blown episodes will be streamed live. And uh, uh, and also, I believe they stream the air show announcers as well, so that you can kind of kind of listen into that too. Uh, some of the cool stuff here going on. Uh, uh, we talked about the Piper Cub mass arrival. There's a whole bunch of them. My goodness, this is Cherokees on Friday, Bonanzas on Saturday, Cessnas on Saturday, Moonies on Saturday, the Cubs on Sunday, RVs yeah. on Sunday, the Air Venture Cup racers on Sunday. Uh, let's see now. Uh, uh, that's, so that's I, I don't see my favorites, the Comanches there, although that's the photo in the uh, next to the mass. I know, line. huh? What, what, what's that all about, huh? They, <laughs> I, I I think they were having a little trouble getting it all organized because they were always one of the smaller groups. Yeah, Monday is uh, is the, uh, the the sort of one of the themes of Monday is salute to Vans, the uh, designer and uh, creator of the RV aircraft. Uh, let's see now, that's talking about the air show. Simo, uh, <laughs> did you guys look at that? De- the uh, a SEMO robot last year. You talk about Skynet. I don't. Maybe it wasn't last year. Maybe it was at Sun and Fun we saw this. But uh, that's, which robot? The Asimo Roma, robot. It's oh yeah, Asimo. I've seen that. Yeah. Asimo. Yeah, the Asimo. Awesome. The he's at the uh, Honda, Honda, Honda robot. Yeah. yeah. It's just, he, he, Asimo and I played a little blackjack at NBAA in Vegas last year. Oh really? Who won? Uh, I did. Okay. Um, so let's see now. Uh, the original RV1 is going to be there on, on display. I, what's the story with this? Is it is it going into the museum there? Or I don't know. Um, and I di- don't know about that. I know that uh, the, the original RV was, uh, I believe it was a Stitz Playboy that Dick Van, Grun- uh, uh, that, uh, Van Grunsman modified to make it more efficient, right. faster. And that became the platform from which he launched the RVs. Right. Now, and we saw that airplane down at Sun and Fun back was in the spring. Sun and Fun. It, th- right. Is that this airplane or is this another airplane? Is this no, like- that's the same one. It is. Okay, cool. I believe there's only one RV1. Yeah. So, uh, And then, of course, Steve Miller Band's on Monday. On Tuesday, they're calling it Piper Cub Day. And uh, I guess there's all sorts of Cub activities. And uh, let's see now, the uh, 75th anniversary celebration of the Piper J through Cub. Uh, oh, the inaugural flight of Eagle Flights. This is what uh, Rod just mentioned here, the, uh, the grown-up mm-hmm. version of uh, Young Eagles. Uh, let's see now. Uh, uh, saluting Dick Van Grunsman in the Theater in the Woods uh, on, at 10 a.m. Uh, more as- Asimo. Uh, Wednesday is uh, the greatest generation in the air, a tribute to the greatest generation uh, with salutes to the Doolittle Raiders and the Tuskegee Airmen. Uh, 
Uh, also, the blimp arrives on Wednesday. Uh, what else? Let's see now. Holler if I'm missing anything. I'm kind of scanning this list. Thursday is called Jet Day. Special flight activities by jets, uh, plus some air show performances. Uh, so Thursday, bring your earplugs. Yeah, I guess so, huh? Uh, meet the Administrator, apparently, is on Thursday. That's always exciting. Uh, and actually, obviously, Huerta, will be. this will be his first time uh, going into that uh, uh, fire pit. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> It hasn't been that bad for them lately. They, uh, they, they've, yeah. they've figured it out. Have they? they? Yeah. yeah. Do a fine size, it used yeah. to be. It used to be a moment, right? I mean, it, it used to. The, the administrator would stand up there and take some hot questions, and uh, but you say they've uh, figured it out, huh? Yeah, they figured out how to how to, how yeah. to control the crowd. Let's uh, see now. And uh, well, lest everybody think that this is just for grown-ups and airplanes, this schedule has a boatload of stuff for kids. Uh, for example, on uh, Jet Day, they also have a team that is in as in teenager series of events at the theater in the woods at 6 30 uh something like a sock hop at 8 p.m and of course they won't know what a sock hop is but their parents will <laughs> okay friday's salute to veterans day uh a lot of veteran activities and uh, uh things honoring uh, this great generation uh let's see now what else uh, be sure and check out the torah 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 aerial reenactment those guys are some of the unhar- unheralded uh, uh, talent on the air show circuit. Uh, they pull this together. They fly a bunch of airplanes that are uh, replicas of Japanese aircraft. Uh, mm-hmm. And they do the whole Pearl Harbor routine pretty well. Yeah. Uh, Saturday, of course, is Super Saturday. We talked about that a little bit with Rod and uh, a lot of different activities on Saturday. Uh, uh, and uh, it's Saturday night is the night is the night air show. Have I got that right? That's it. Yeah, so that's the the big capper on Saturday, uh, but a lot of different activities on Saturday. Sunday they're calling Family Day, or as we sometimes affectionately call Exhibitor Bonding Day. Uh, it <laughs> can get a little quiet. Sunday's actually a great day to plan to be there, because it, right. as, I, as we mentioned earlier about the evenings, it does quiet down a little bit on Sunday. The crowds thin out a little bit. The exhibit halls aren't quite so crowded. Um, and so you really get an opportunity to talk to people and, uh, and get the information that you're looking for. And occasionally there are bargains on that final day. So uh, Sunday's a good day to be there. You, people shouldn't leave for, uh, for Sunday. Sunday's my favorite day. What's the yeah? It's the day you don't have to work on the newspaper, exactly David. Right? Yeah. So uh, Sunday will be a big day for us because Sunday morning uh, we will, from about ten o'clock to eleven thirty, we'll be recording a uh, our episode from the uh, deck there at uh, EAA Radio, and uh, and this well, I'm year. I'm glad you told me. This year uh, we're uh, very very uh, yeah, excited. Yeah, I put that on my calendar. We're very very excited, folks. They're kidding. I hope. Uh, Sunday morning will be episode 300 of Uncontrolled Airspace, we're very proud to say. And so anybody wants to come by and say hi, we'd love to talk with you and maybe even get you involved somehow in the podcast. That's Sunday morning. Uh, let's see we'll be on. doing one on opening day, evening yep. of opening day. We'll Don't do want to forget that. Yep. And that's streamed yeah. live. Yeah, also streamed live, also from the radio station, probably not from the deck. Um, I was talking with a listener the, uh, the other day, and he, he was counting on both of them being from the deck. And I said, well, you know, the, the Monday one's usually not from the deck because the rock concert is going on right around the corner. But, but we figured out last year that you can't hear the rock concert on the deck. Yeah, well, I'm game for going out on the deck, but we've always decided not to. So we'll see what happens. We'll play that I one thought, by ear. I thought we were going to do it at the rock concert. Yeah, okay, we're going to go backstage, right? Right. We're going to, no, 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 bad jokes in there. Um, 
You know, let's talk for a second about the weather. It's going to be hot. Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's going to be hot, and and so you, and and EAA does a good job of providing you know access to facilities and water and you know if sunscreen. Yeah, and and should you need it, first aid and and you know and some shade. There's limited shade available. Um, but but you know what what do you guys think? And I've, none of us are, are are doctors to be sure. But uh, just as a, an experienced air venture attendee, w- w- what do you need to think about to prepare for the heat? Well, you stay. do need to worry. Go ahead, Dave. No, go ahead. Yeah, Jeb, go. Uh, stay hydrated. Yeah, uh, I think that's what Dave what was, was going to say. I, I, I think that's what Dave was going to say. Yeah. Um, uh, drink plenty of water. Um, carry it with you if you can. Buy it if you have to. But drink plenty of water. The other trick is going to be finding shade if you're outside a lot. And and there's not and there's you know there's a lot of ways to beat the 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 sun. Uh, you can duck into the the um, vendor hangers, uh, federal pavilion. There's all kinds of of uh, uh, tents and other exhibits under which you can uh, you know beat the heat and, and check out some interesting products. Um, standing under the wing of a DC-10 parked on the on the west ramp would be a good thing to do too. That's a good one too. Yeah. Um, but uh, those are the, uh, to me those are the two things. A third thing. Uh, I'll let Dave. I know what it is. I'll let Dave cover it. Sunscreen, sunscreen, and sunscreen. <laughs> and yep. don't think. And this is important, folks. Don't think that if you're on the square, the main ramp, and you're in the shade of some high-wing airplane, that you're 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 immune from needing sunscreen because that white concrete reflects all the UV, and will burn yourself crisp even while you're standing in the shade. Yeah. Now, if you're under the in, in the shade over on the grass somewhere, different story. But if you're on concrete and there's a lot of concrete there, and in the shade, you still need sunscreen. Pioneer Airport's got some cool places to hang out. The museum's air conditioned, uh, and of course, you can always, uh, uh, as Jeb just mentioned, you can grace some of the vendors because uh, they'd be more than appreciative of you doing a little business with them. Yeah. I'll throw a couple more into the mix here. Get yourself a good hat, uh, particularly a hat with a big wide brim. All right. Um, and, a and Tilly they, is good. Yeah. I've got an t- old Tilly hat that I love, um, you know, and it can be a stylish hat or a less than stylish hat. But as long as it's got a good brim, um, that can provide you a lot of protection from the sun. Another thing to think about doing is uh, plan your day a little bit differently. Try and make your out t- out doors time in the morning and later in the day uh try to uh plan to be indoors or or in the shade in real shade as dave mentions um during the 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 height of the day um so uh, you know this is we're talking about more than just comfort here the sun can be dangerous uh, uh it can be dangerous not only long term in terms of skin cancer and stuff it can be dangerous that day uh, you can be overtaken by the sun especially in this kind of a hot paved environment so it- and, 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 folks, it is not fun to get back to wherever you're crashing, your campsite, your RV, your hotel, motel room, and find that you, your legs are burned to such a crisp that it's unpleasant. Uh, because at that point, it's too late, and it's going to be really bad the next day. Yeah. 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 So Comfort- uh, Comfortable shoes. Comfortable shoes is going to be real shoes, important a on any pair day. of them, actually. Yep. Yep. David's usually David's advice is to uh, pack for three seasons. I'm not sure if that's going to be so required this time, but uh, definitely pack for summertime because it's going to be. I, I, I would bring a day's worth of clothes for fall and spring. Yeah. 
Cause because it could. even when it's really hot, we can still get one of those brisk, cold mornings or really wet afternoons that kind of makes the heat-oriented clothing a little insufficient. Yep, yep. For those of you who are flying into AirVenture this year, uh, what should they have done already? Get the NOTAM. Get the NOTAM. Check the NOTAM. We kind of make a thing about this. It's almost become a joke, and it shouldn't be a joke because it's very, very important. It's not a joke. Yeah. It's uh, it's very, very important for you to make the NOTAM, uh, the uh, EAA, uh, EAA Air Venture NOTAM, uh, a big part of your pre-brief for your flight. And, and um, last year's is insufficient. Absolutely right. true. It changes every year. Um, and uh, so you want to make sure that you familiarize yourself with uh, the procedures for getting in and out, for that matter, but certainly for getting in, uh, and uh, that you kind of keep your head on swivel as you're flying in and, uh, and uh, you know, kind of pay attention and follow the instructions. It's not incredibly hard to do, but it does take some concentration and some, uh, some uh, you know, seriousness, I guess, is not exactly the right word, but, but you know what I mean. It- and, and and although it might be too late to get you a hard copy mailed to you with the pretty yellow cub picture on the cover, it's not too late to download it off the website, and you can do that for free. Print it out. Collect the whole set. Yeah, print it out or uh, or put it on your iPad or whatever tablet device you have uh, and, uh, and, and keep it with you. Absolutely have it within reach ready for uh, access while you're flying and, the airplane. And, and do actually spend a little time reading the parts applicable to the arrival that you're going to fly before you get to ripping. Yeah. And and as we, we learned from talking with Rod, uh, maybe this should always be a part of your pre-brief, but certainly this year, and that is that there may be things that have changed since the NOTAM was published. And so you might want to do uh, get a regular briefing as well just to see whether there are any uh, additions to the NOTAM. And this year, um, if you want to land on grass, apparently there's some new options yeah, available that's, to that's you. So, cool. uh, so you'll, you'll want to uh, check on uh, on what that procedure is, even though it's not going to be in the official notum. My could, old Comanche could, could definitely do twenty one hundred feet on yeah. grass. Yeah. I was, was going to say I could easily get in. Um, getting out might be a different trick. Yeah, well, there's some pavement with, with nearby a, there with too. A full load of gas. Yeah, there's some pavement nearby. Yeah, no, 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 I can, I'm sure I could use the pavement. I yeah. don't know that I use the grass to get out. Yeah. So, anyways, but just to be able to say you landed on the grass at Oshkosh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yep. But uh, yeah, flying into Oshkosh is a terrific uh, experience and and thing to to remember all your life. But make sure you do it safely and smartly. And uh, for th- folks that are going to be there on the grounds, uh, when the air show ends, all these other things start. Uh, one of them that starts up is the uh, flying down at uh, the barn, uh, down where the ultralights and the uh, light experimentals fly down at the far south end. So if you're not headed to the uh, theater in the woods or not going to mosey over to the uh, movie theater, uh, you can sashay down to uh, the red barn. Find yourself a nice place there in the bleachers and watch the little light stuff go, come and go, and have a great time. Yeah. So that's about it for tonight. One last thing I wanted to uh, uh, talk about is uh, to remind folks of some of the uncontrolled airspace activities that are going to happen at AirVenture this year. Uh, we kind of alluded, or more than alluded, we talked a little bit about some of the regular episodes we're going to be doing, uh, one on Monday afternoon about 6 o'clock and one on Sunday morning at about 10 o'clock. And those will be, uh, if you're not on the grounds, those will be streamed on the Internet stream as that's part of EAA Radio. And, uh, we'll also be pa- and they'll be broadcast on the EAA Radio station there in the 
Oshkosh area, and uh, also we'll be packaging them up and putting them on our regular internet stream. So those are the uh, two regular episodes. Beginning on Thursday evening, uh, we were Thursday afternoon, we're going to start doing UCAP dailies. The dailies are a much shorter version. They're 10 to 15 minute, uh, much more casual uh, uh, times for us to just chat about things that are going on. Uh, the goal with the dailies is to very much pre- present you with the atmosphere, the feeling of what's going on at, at the at AirVenture for those of you who are not able to be there or who are perhaps on your way. Uh, so uh, check out the dailies uh, each and every day. We may have even do more than one on a couple of different days, but uh, the dailies are, are little bite-sized things that 10, 15 minutes long that uh, give you kind of uh, a, an ongoing sense of, of the uh, the atmosphere at AirVenture. And uh, the big thing that we're really getting, I'm getting more and more excited about because it sounds like it's going to be quite a, quite a happening, is uh, our annual tie-down party on Thursday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. Uh, there just outside the airport fence. Uh, it's uh, it's going to be great. We're going to provide some beverages, both adult beverages and some soft drinks. We'll have uh, a good supply of cheesy poofs. Uh, we're trying to get some live music uh, there for at least part of the evening. And we're going to be recording a bunch of dailies uh, while we're there at the uh, at the uh, tie-down party. So we, we would just love for everybody who uh, is a listener of, of Uncontrolled Airspace to uh, come on by. Um, as a matter of fact, we uh, have extended an invitation uh, uh, to the uh, cast and crew of Acrocamp to uh, make their reunion uh, at AirVenture during our tie-down party. So a number of the Acrocamp uh, campers and uh, Tupper is going to be there and, and others are going to be there on uh, Thursday evening. At least I, I expect they're going to be there. They've, they've uh, accepted my invitation and uh, I, I'm looking forward to having them be there. Tupper may be bringing his little Acrocamp band, which is uh, you know, on one level very casual, on another level not so casual at all. What do you see? We're putting the band back together. I know, huh? So that's all Thursday evening uh, during Air Venture, six to eight p.m. That's at the uh, what I call that's the Northwest Pedestrian Gate. It's the gate that goes out um, there at the Friar Tucks Restaurant and the Super Eight Motel, and uh, it's relatively easy to get there. It's a little bit kind of off in the corner of the field, but there are shuttle buses that run uh, throughout the day and throughout the evening. You can pick up that shuttle bus over at the North Forty Registration Area, and which is sort of down at the uh, uh, near the edge of the Warbirds area and uh, you can take the uh, trams that uh, Rod was alluding to uh, can get you from just about any place on the convention grounds over there to the uh, North 40 registration area. So you can take a vehicle all the way to uh, the, uh, the UCAP tie-down party yeah, Thursday if evening. Taking, if you're taking the bus, um, you want to get off, uh, it'll, it'll bus will probably stop there anyway to pick up people or let people off, but you want to get off, there's a little paved hard stand nestled up against the fence in the northwest corner of uh, the, the, the North 40. There's usually three airplanes tied down there. That's about all the space there is tied down on that little uh, concrete pad. Um, but there's a gate right behind there, and that's yep. the gate you want to go through and then turn right. Yep, that says the, the shuttle will go all the way around the approach end of runway 9 and uh, and yeah, nine. And uh, um, as Jeb says, just after it kind of goes around the bend, it's there, there, that, there's that hard, hard stand. And you probably will see the Super 8 Hotel there on the other side of the fence. And that's sort of the landmark we all look for. Uh, that's plenty about that, but we really would love to see as many people as possible there. And uh, um, it's going to be fun. It's been fun in the past few years, and it looks like it's going to be even more fun this year. Very cool. Yeah. And what hard. else? Yeah, and well, it could be a little bit warm, but we'll have some beverages. We'll have some water and soft drinks and some beers and uh, and some cheesy poofs, and it will be a complete evening. 
So, anyways. It wouldn't be complete, though, without the cheesy person. No, I'm telling you. Okay? That's about it. We're running out of our allotted time here. Uh, it's time now, to now, finish. Now, are you are you getting the cheesy poofs locally, or are you going to f- transport them out? Yeah, no, uh, no. These are from New Hampshire. These are no, no, no. These are these are uh, uh, you know traditional Wisconsin cheesy poofs. Well, why would I bring cheese from New England to well, Wisconsin? I, I, I was right. going to bust your chops, but I don't have the opportunity. <laughs> no, yet, no, so. no, 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 no. Relax. No, it's okay. No, no, no. Yeah. So, yeah. Sorry, sorry. You, you pushed my button, man. You pushed my button. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that's about it. We gotta we gotta we gotta wrap this thing up because we got packing to do, and uh, so uh, we're all traveling in the next couple of days. And uh, although by the time people hear this, we'll probably it'll be about the day that we're traveling, and uh, and and we'll be on the grounds and and getting ready for our adventure. Any final thoughts from you guys about the about the coming two weeks? No, I'm looking forward to it as always. Uh, it'll be good to, to be back uh, on that. Uh, I wouldn't call it hallowed ground, but certainly special ground. Um, can't wait to, you know, again, hook up with some people that, uh, we all know and love, uh, you two, uh, among them, I'm, I'm, uh, I hasten to say, um, no, let, let the shows begin. Okay. David? Well, I think it's going to be a good show. I mean, there's so much going on and so many different things on the dance card this year. Uh, I'm just looking forward to, uh, Getting there and getting to work and, and, and bumping into old friends, making new friends, and doing the job of, uh, of uh, giving a newspaper to all the folks that show up other than us. So. Yeah. yeah. So, anyways, this has been uh, episode 297 of Uncontrolled Airspace, and uh, we're going to head out to Oshkosh. David, was there something you wanted to say about attending Oshkosh? Well, you know, if you fly yourself to Oshkosh, you'll live proportionally longer because, as you probably know by now, time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. Have a safe trip. And that's enough talking. Let's go to Oshkosh. We'll see you next week. The members of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast are participating as private individuals. Their comments do not necessarily reflect the views of the various organizations they work with. Also, anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. You should always consider your own situation, remember your training, and fly the airplane. But you knew that.